Hello, my name is Felicia Goings and I want to welcome you back to WordCast. I am picking back up with a series of episodes that we started in the previous episode entitled Five Types of People. And this is the biblical understanding of the five different types of people. Now, I said this in the previous episode, this is not science, this is not psychology, this is kingdom. So this is based on the Bible. And I recommend if you have not checked out that initial episode that breaks down the five types of people, just in a general overview, I recommend that you go and watch that episode before you watch this one. So really quick, the five types of people. Number one, you have the unbeliever. Number two, you have the new believer. Number three is the carnal Christian. Number four is the spiritually mature. And number five is the false believer. So those are the five types of people that we've dissected according to the word of God. This means that pretty much anybody that you meet, those five categories will cover where they are. Now, this was not done to judge anybody. God is the judge, but we need to make an assessment because this understanding will help us in our communication and in how we relate to one another. Y'all, today's episode is so important. I'm so excited about it because we're doing a deep dive on the first person type, which is the unbeliever. Now, this isn't a, a deep dive concerning the person type of the unbeliever, but I'm really speaking to believers with this particular episode. So I want you to stay tuned for the entire episode. Feel free to drop comments. Send me an email if you have any questions. Let's do a quick word of prayer before we get started with our deep dive. Lord, I thank you for your word going forth right now. I decree and declare that we do have ears to hear and that each person will receive this message in their spirit, in their mind, in the way in which they need it. I thank you that you say this word one way through my mouth and it is heard in the multiple ways that it is needed. Holy Spirit, great teacher that you are, we give you space and room to show us and teach us from God's word what thus says the Lord today. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. We lift this episode up to you. I decree and declare that the message and the words that goes forth in this episode shall not be stolen out of the hearts of the hearers. I speak that this word goes forth and it bears fruit in the lives of the hearers. God, we thank you. We praise you and we glorify your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, y'all, let's get to it. So when we talk about an unbeliever, I want us to first start by just defining what an unbeliever is. You know, some people will say, well, that's anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. It is dangerous to leave it at that because there are a lot of groups and communities and different type of individuals in the world that proclaim that they believe in Jesus. But according to the Bible and this definition that we're about to look at concerning an unbeliever, they are unbelievers according to what we're looking at in the Holy Bible. So that's why I want us to be specific and not base it off what we think or maybe even what we've heard just out of tradition. And so I'm not saying that that's you know wrong, saying that an unbeliever is a person who doesn't believe in Jesus. I'm saying that that's general. And I would like for us to get more specific so that we can grow in our understanding. All right, here we go. John chapter three, verse number three. We're picking up where Jesus is speaking with a man named Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water 
and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists and thou hears the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Y'all, according to the Bible, an unbeliever, a person who is not saved and has not received salvation is a person who has not been born again in their spirit. No matter how sweet and kind and wonderful looking and awesome and nice a person may be, according to the Bible, if that individual has not been born again by the spirit of God, that person is not saved and they are considered an unbeliever. First type of person out of the five is the unbeliever. Okay, we've gotten that established. Now, let me say this for, you know, those of you who may veer on the side of political correctness and what is popular to say or not say right now. Let me just put it very emphatically. When it comes to everlasting life and a person dying from this earth, according to the Bible, if an unbeliever dies, not having been born again by the spirit, not having the nature of God abiding on the inside of them, they die and they go to hell. Period. If you die a sinner, the Bible says you will not inherit everlasting life because the wages of sin is death. Well, that is why we put our trust and faith in Jesus. He dealt with the sins of the entire world on the cross. But the Bible says in John 3, 16, whosoever believes in him shall not perish. So he's already dealt with everybody's sins, even the unbelievers today. But if you don't put your trust and your faith in him, you remain an unbeliever. When you die from this earth, according to the Holy Bible, heaven is not your home. Now, I know that may not be popular or fun for some people to say, or, you know, people may try to sugarcoat it because of the times that we live in. Y'all, people are literally dying prematurely, being depressed, committing suicide, mind clouded by darkness. They're looking for truth. They're looking for light. They're looking for answers. And the, the interesting thing about this is that sometimes in these different cases, there was a Christian person in proximity that didn't say anything. Maybe they didn't want to be offensive. Maybe they didn't want to come off too strong or seem too radical or I don't want to seem religious. I'm going to call myself spiritual. And it's like, listen, I understand the term Christian wasn't created by Christians. It was created by people who were non-believers, but we know what that means. It means you're a follower of Christ. It's associated with Jesus Christ. I know that there have been things that have been said or done that causes even sometimes Christian people to view the world and people in the world in a very villarific, I don't even know if that's a word, villarific uh, way, meaning like vilifying every person who is an unbeliever. So there's a lot of misnomers and misconceptions concerning unbelievers. We don't wanna reject unbelievers or vilify them in such a way that it hardens our heart towards people who are lost. That is another word for being an unbeliever. The Bible says uh, that they are lost. My question to you right now, and I really want you to listen to this question, get quiet on the inside and listen to this question and really answer it. Do you love lost people like God loves lost people? 
Are you satisfied with the number of lost people you are reaching on a weekly, monthly, or, or yearly basis in your life? If we don't have love for lost people like God loves lost people, it is very likely it will become more easy as a Christian not to go out of your way to reach them. It will always be a them and us sort of perspective. So I've got to lay the foundation for this before we do the deep dive. Okay, so we went over what is an unbeliever. Now let's talk about why they're an unbeliever. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse number three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse number four, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. So this scripture tells us the God of this world, which the Bible refers to Satan as the God of this world, that he's blinded their minds. So their mind is literally blinded to the truth. There's a veil over their mind where even if the truth smacked them right in the face, they wouldn't even see it as true. And there's a way to deal with that in the spirit. But here's the thing. A lot of Christians today don't love or care enough about unbelievers that they don't know, those that aren't in their family or their close friendship circles, they don't love or care enough about unbelievers that are strangers or those that are just out in the world to share Christ with them. So I want us to look at something that the Lord brought to my attention for this episode. There are some Christian people who they want to be led by the Holy Spirit for everything. And I understand that, but there is also a wrong way to live that out. And the wrong way to live that out is to be waiting to do something that the word of God has already commissioned and instructed us to do. So think about that. We're waiting on a word from God to do what he already said to do. You don't need a rhema word or permission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need instructions from the Lord concerning the specific person that you have an opportunity to meet. Now, I'm not saying go around preaching 24-7 to everybody you know, everybody that you see all the time. No, I'm saying that there are some people you will only come across their path once. And that one-time interaction is an opportunity for you to share Jesus. But you can do it wisely, not based off a formula where you approach everybody the same way every single time. No, God may give you specific instructions for a specific person where as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you automatically get their attention and you're reaching them in a way that nobody else has. And we're getting closer to the deep dive. We're almost at the deep dive, y'all. Stay with me as I lay the foundation for this. I really wanna show you this in scripture and it's imperative that you understand this foundationally before we get to the deep dive. All right, so let's look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. For every Christian person in the body of Christ, here is your instruction from the Lord. And he, Jesus, said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
Not wait and let me tell you whether you should tell that person about Christ or not. There's a reason why sharing Jesus comes up in your heart or on your mind when you come across certain people. And what a lot of people do, they push it down and they suppress the urge or the notion to speak out of fear, out of being self-conscious or whatever the case may be. If they don't have a specific word from God that says, go over there and talk to the lady in the red dress and tell her this about Jesus. No. If you are listening to somebody who's having a hard time in life, you don't need a prompting from the Holy Spirit for you to go over there and tell them about the goodness of God or or the love of Christ through the cross. You have Mark 16, number 15 active right now. Every time you read the Bible, he is saying that to you right now. If you are a believer and you are spending the majority of your time constantly talking to other believers. It's nothing wrong with that. But if you are neglecting the time that your life is supposed to be poured out into the lives of unbelievers, there is something wrong with that. If you are a believer who does not bear witness of Christ Jesus and the gospel to unbelievers, you are missing something in your spiritual walk with God. There is going to come a time in every person who gets born again in their spirit, your desires are going to start lining up with God. And God has a desire to reach and save the lost. He doesn't want them to perish the same way he didn't want me to perish or you to perish if you're a believer and you got saved, you received salvation. So if you don't have a, a compassion or a love or a hunger for lost people not to be lost, something needs to change in your thinking and be renewed according to the word. Because when you really become one with the father in your understanding and your spirit and desires are lined up with his, you will not be able to help but have a love and a deep desire and a compassion for lost people. People who are just blind to the truth. They're in darkness. Some of them may be in very heavy levels of darkness in the occult. Some of them may be in lower levels where maybe they're not delving off into anything that would be considered occultish or witchcraft. They're just trying to be a good person. You know, they don't believe in Jesus, but they're trying to treat people right, etc. If you do not find yourself ministering to the lost, if every time you share in Jesus or something about God is to another believer, you are not following the instructions of Mark 16, 15. And I get it. I know we have social media platforms and it's awesome to be able to reach people on social media. But I want you to think about this. How many atheists are going to go out and look for Christian people on social media to follow them and get a word from God from our posts every few days? Think about it. There are people you are going to pass at the grocery store, at the car wash, your hairstylist, my, the, the lady that does my brows. She's a Buddhist. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my relationship with her. Hopefully I'll get to do it in this episode, but I want you to think about the person to person encounters that you don't have to force. They're just automatically all around you because we all live in a world full of people. And a lot of those people are lost. And you child of God, you have a commission from the father to tell them about your Lord to speak to them in terms in which they can understand, to get to the place where you so love them, you will risk looking foolish in an attempt to help a lost person not be totally, utterly destroyed for all of eternity in a burning lake of fire, as Revelation calls it. 
I'm not saying get preachy and be a Bible thumper and hit people over the head with the Bible. You don't even have to have your Bible out sometimes to do what I'm saying. We're going to go over some practical ways to reach out to people who are unbelievers and just some approaches that will remove the fear out of it. If you have fear of approaching people and talking about Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now that is from the devil. God has not given us a spirit of fear to talk about his son, to talk about the Messiah and what he has done for the earth and not go tell people about it. When Mark 16 and 15 tells us go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God is not giving us a spirit of fear. We don't want to look foolish or come off weird or too strong. Our, our mindset can be on how we look instead of on the health and well-being of that person's spirit. If they need light, if they need a word from God, you are the carrier of God on the earth, child of God. So you guys know farming and agriculture is something that is referenced quite a lot in the Bible. And so when it comes to reaching the lost, when it comes to uh, sharing the gospel, being a witness of Jesus Christ to people who are unbelievers, they're not born again in their spirit. Think about it from this perspective. This will help you not freak out. When I learned this, it made me uh, feel less shattered (laughs) if I had a conversation with someone and didn't seem to reach them at that particular time. You guys, I've had experiences where it seemed like, well, that was a lost cause and it may be weeks or months down the line and everything would just come back full circle. And it's like, no, it wasn't a lost cause. What I did in that first conversation with the Lord was plant a seed. And so that's the first step. You don't know, especially when you're walking up to a stranger, if you cross paths with someone, you don't know if you're planting a seed, if you're watering a seed that somebody else planted where they've already heard about Jesus, but the person still hadn't grabbed a hold of the gospel yet. You don't know if you're planting the seed, watering the seed, or just giving the seed light being nourishment on top of what's already been planted and watered and and you're coming in as light. And I did a study with the Lord concerning this. And what he said was giving light, that's love. That is love. Every time you walk in love with somebody, even if you don't plant a particular word, that light that he's talking about for a seed is love. And then water, it's the word. The word of God can literally be like water, washing with the water of the word. And then the seed itself is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So someone may have already shared Jesus. They may have already planted a seed and then you're coming and you're watering the seed and you're like, why am I not? getting a response and so you stop reaching out to lost people because you feel like you're not getting results you guys the bible says we can plant we can water but god is responsible for the increase we are not even responsible for drawing people to jesus christ god is god is the one that draws people to his son we are responsible for sharing christ sharing the gospel. And it is God that will draw a man, draw a woman, draw a child's heart to him. The truth is understood. It can be understood by somebody who's not a scholar. It can be understood by a child. It is truth that sets men free. There's this term where uh, people say the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And they're quoting Jesus. Okay, I understand it. But to to be in context and in alignment with the word, when Jesus said this, the church wasn't even established at that time. Now, fast forward to today, 
We have 2.38 billion people on the planet today who profess to be Christians. There are enough laborers to reach the other six or five billion people that apparently are lost, according to this statistic uh, that says out of the global population, 2.38 billion people approximately identify as Christian. 2.38 billion. I would say we have enough laborers right now to get a lot of awesome things done on the earth in the name of the Lord. I really want to not leave anything out from the revelations the Lord gave me about this because it really enlightened me and and helped my own life when um, he taught me what I'm about to share with you now. Now we're going into the deep dive. Okay, John chapter four. We're going to read quite a few different scriptures, but bear with me. It will all flow uh, pretty fluidly and we'll get through it pretty quickly. John chapter four contains the story about the woman at the well. And we are going to look at this account in order to learn ways in which we can reach people, especially if those people are unbelievers. Now we're picking up at a point in the conversation where Jesus has already initiated dialogue with the woman at the well. He's already told her that she's had five husbands and the man that she's with now is not even her husband. And she's looking at him, a complete stranger, that's telling her all of her private secret life business. And she says, you must be a prophet. And so they have this dialogue, they talk back and forth. And she begins to talk about how, well, they say the Messiah is coming and we know the Messiah is gonna prophesy. And so now we're picking up in John chapter 4 verse number 25 where the woman at the well is speaking with Jesus. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27, and at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Skipping down to verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. Now there are multiple different illustrations in this account of the woman at the well that shows us how we can reach others. Let's look at how some of the individuals in this account reached other people. If we look at Jesus, Jesus prophesied to this woman, 
Prophecy is a gift. That is another episode for another day. But the Bible says that all of us are to desire the gift of prophecy because prophecy is such an awesome way to open the door for conversation, especially when you walk up to an unbeliever and the Lord has shared something with you about something concerning their life or their heart. And you walk up and you say, hey, you know, can I pray for you concerning such and such? Now, they have no idea how you know this. And oftentimes, if they are not familiar with prophecy or with the things of God, they may say, oh, are you psychic? And they may use some sort of occult or or new ageist term. And that's when you can begin to speak about the Holy Spirit. So it opens the door up for you to talk about uh, why you were able to know that. And now let's look at the disciples. The disciples are other individuals in this particular account. They were tending to a need. So they were Concerned, hey Jesus, have you eaten? We're looking at the different ways in which we can reach a person, in which we can reach somebody who's lost or somebody who's an unbeliever. Now, granted, they were getting their food for Jesus. Jesus wasn't an unbeliever, Jesus wasn't lost. But those same principles, when you take care of somebody that you love who is a believer, that same uh, care and that same love can be felt by somebody who's lost as well. So when you meet the needs of a person who doesn't have the same faith as you, that ministers to them and that can open up a door for you to share the gospel. I'm not saying that the only reason why you give to people is to share the gospel. I'm saying your love for a person, whether they are a believer or not a believer, if they are hungry, you feed them, whether you get to share the gospel with them or not. I'm not saying reverse this and say, okay, I want to share the gospel. So let me go find some hungry people just to feed them. No, I get with the Lord, let him cultivate a right heart uh, towards unbelievers in you and you will naturally, the compassion of Christ will automatically start flowing out of you to meet the needs of people that you may even be somebody that you work with or you know, somebody that you, you're you at the grocery store and, and, and maybe you see, oh, they've got to put some items back because they don't have enough money. Just buy their food. You don't know whether they're a believer or not. What I'm saying is, Acts of generosity where you're caring for a basic necessity, that is a way in which we can minister or share the gospel. That's an opener to have a conversation. But whether it leads to a conversation or not, it is very good to just be open-hearted and open-handed to help people, whether they are believers or unbelievers. Number three, we can look at the woman. The woman shared a testimony to reach others. We're talking about ways in which we can reach others. So Jesus prophesied. He came into the conversation hot, like, hey, <laughs> you said, right, you don't have a husband. Matter of fact, you had five husbands and the one you with, no, not your man. He came in with it. Like he was super on point down to the number of men. And the lady was like, oh, oh, I imagine she probably clutched her pearls, you know, figuratively speaking. So how do we reach people who may or may not believe the way that we believe? Jesus came in prophesying. The disciples tended to a basic need. They were trying to reach Jesus, make sure Jesus was okay. The woman at the well, she shared a testimony in regards to her experience with Christ. That's how she reached the people in her city. She shared her testimony. Now in her sharing that testimony, it was a seed. The same way the prophecy from Jesus was a seed, she shared her testimony with the people in in her city or the people in her village. It was a seed. And when they came to Jesus to see what she was talking about and Jesus began to speak as well, the seed got watered and they believed. So now we go back to what I was saying 
a little bit earlier about how sometimes when you're in the process of just being intentional, aiming to reach a person from a place of love, you don't know whether you're planting a seed, watering a seed, giving it light, and God is about to bring the increase, that person's about to uh, receive Jesus or you know, make a turnaround in their life. We may not know that unless God reveals it to us, but just know when you plant a seed, the moment you plant that seed, it doesn't look like anything happens, but as that seed is watered, it's given light and it, it has the room and space to grow and God brings about the increase of that thing that you planted, you will absolutely see the results of what you said. So anytime you're able to say something to somebody, just like this woman, you know, her having all these different men, she may or may not have been the most popular person in her town, you know, with the women. But the fact that she said a word, now they believe, but then when you read it further, they really believe when they heard Christ speak it for himself. So her word was seed, but his word became water. There is another individual in this passage that represents the way that too many Christians try to reach others in the world. And God gave me this understanding specifically for this episode because I have never looked at this account of the woman at the well in the way that he gave me to look at it for this episode. I'm going to read what I got from my study time with the Lord. He said, the other individual in the text is the well. He said, the well is an inanimate object that passively gives to people whatever they can draw up out of it. The well doesn't take initiative. It waits for others to come to it. It doesn't go to them that are thirsty. So now I want us to look at the beginning of Jesus's encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter four, verse number three. God said, The well doesn't take initiative to go to those that are thirsty. The well waits for those that are thirsty to come to it. And that's how a lot of believers are. A lot of believers are not taking initiative to reach people who don't already believe in Jesus. They're deep. It's water in there, but nobody is getting that water unless they come and draw it out. They're not making the initiative when they find out you know, somebody is an unbeliever or they have some sort of strange spiritual practice or they don't believe in Christ. Instead of going in to engage in conversations, a lot of Christians retreat like, "Mm -mm, I'm gonna stay away from you. Y'all, let me read John chapter four, verse number three. Let's look at this wellish person, (laughs) the well believer. You stationary, you're you not going out. You're not putting forth no effort to witness to a stranger. Now, if they come to you, they ask you a question. How many atheists are going to walk up to you at Target or public and say, excuse me, you look like a Christian. Will you tell me about your Lord? Can you please tell me about Jesus? No, that's not how it typically works. All right, let's read this. John chapter four, verse number three. So now we're starting further up than where we just read in this same chapter. And we're going to start at the beginning of Jesus's conversation with this woman. He, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. 
Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So at this point, the lady is like, well, give me this water, Jesus, because the well water keeps me thirsty. In other words, metaphorically speaking, all these Christians around me, but nobody is saying to me what you're saying. Y'all, the moral of this whole episode is say what Jesus said in the word to people who don't already know him. <laughs> Be willing to tell people that he is the Messiah. That's what he told the lady. She was like, oh, we know the Messiah is coming. He was like, I'm him. Be willing to tell people that he is the Messiah. Be willing to tell people that he died for their salvation. And then when they say, oh, what is salvation? Salvation means you are saved from a lifestyle of sin and you are saved from an eternity where the wages of sin from this life is death. Jesus died that death in your place so that anything that a person could feel guilty about or any penalty, all of it was paid for by Jesus. Say what Jesus said, do what Jesus did. Jesus talked about the Messiah. Jesus talked about the son of God. He was speaking of himself. We have that same ability now to speak of him. And not only that, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to help us. We just have to be willing to step out in faith and share the gospel truth with strangers, share the gospel truth with relatives we haven't even talked to in a long time. And I'm not saying go out and just treat people like a number or a notch on your belt. No, what I'm saying is walk in love with people in such a way that you care about their salvation. When you get to the point where you love a person in such a way that their salvation becomes important to you, you'll know how to treat them. You may not just come right out trying to water a seed that you haven't even planted yet. You can't water a seed that you you haven't planted nothing's going to grow you may plant the word in small bits and pieces you know don't get crazy and start just oh let me do this oh I feel I feel convicted I haven't talked to a lost person in 10 years I only been speaking to my people at church no just ask God to give you Christ's compassion for people because it's in there He'll, he knows how to stir it up in a particular way so that you're not just feeding the homeless, clothing people who need uh, clothing. But as a Christian, you understand there's a mandate on us because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and we have salvation, the life of God on the inside, there's a mandate that we are to share this gospel with every creature. When you love people, you share Jesus. I love y'all. And that is why I share Jesus with you on WordCast. And I pray that you will love others and share Jesus too. Have an amazing rest of the week. Talk to you next time.